sermon series. Um, it's a family joke. Um, the, uh, um, as, as we're jumping into this, um, um, I, I was involved in, in taking a group of kids to a youth camp years ago. And uh, one of the, the leader who, who was overseeing it was a fellow out of Chicago. And he, he said to me one of the most interesting things I've, I've ever heard about this book. And I'm going to put it out there as a challenge up front. Um, he said that if you sit down and every day read the book of James, it's five chapters, it's not a long read. Um, if you sit down and read it every day for, um, for six, six weeks, for 40 days, it'll change your life. You'll be a different person when you're done. Um, and, and so I'm going to toss that out there. Um, if you, if you want to get the most out of this series, um, five chapters every day, 40 days. Um, just an aside. Um, as we jump into James, James is a tricky book to read, and it's tricky for a couple of reasons. Um, um, and the first is this. Uh, James is super practical, okay? I mean, it is all about what you should and shouldn't be doing. And, and because of this, um, there are folks in history who've read it and said, oh, this supports the idea that you can earn your way into heaven. And, and in reality, that's not what the book is saying, Okay. Um, everything that we're going to talk about in the book of James is about how your faith in God plays out in real life. Does that make sense? Everybody still with me? Um, we have faith in God. Like, I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that, that I could not make myself right with God apart from God stepping in and fixing me. And, and he does that through Jesus, right? Um, all of my changes in behavior, everything I do that pleases God after that is as a result of God making me into a new person. Um, on my own, I can't do good stuff, right? Um, apart from Jesus living in me and acting in me and enabling me to overcome sin. Um, and so everything we're going to talk about from this point forward is assuming, like, if you are under Jesus' lordship, you are a follower of Christ, God is reaching in and changing you and making you into the type of person that lives this way. Um, this, this is important. It's more important than you might think initially because, because if you think you're going to like, oh, I'll just be good and that'll make me right before God, you're, you're missing the boat, right? You're missing it entirely. Um, everything that we do is about faith in Christ. All of our salvation, all of our new life, everything is faith in Christ. Um, I'm going to hit pause. I don't know. There are a handful of kids around today. If uh, the nursery is available, if you don't want to send your kids down to the nursery, Jessica has coloring books and crayons. Um, so if you need something to keep entertained during the, during the service, Daniel, um, <laughs> there are crayons and coloring books available. Um, I usually pick on Michael, but I'm afraid he shoots back. Um, <laughs> Um, real quick, the background on the book of James. Um, um, James was Jesus' half-brother. And, you know, I don't know if any of y'all have siblings that are, like, perfect. I don't know. My, my little brother is perfect, you know. And, but, but it's got to be tough to be Jesus' half-brother because, like, he's Jesus. You know, like, you grow up with that. Um, he, James was not a believer um, for the majority of his life, like, or for the, the first half of his life, James didn't come to a place where he had converted and became a follower of Christ until after Jesus had been crucified and he encountered Jesus back alive after the crucifixion. And that's when James converted. He isn't considered to be one of the twelve. He's not one of the original believers. James is, is, is a later believer, which is, is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, 
He actually, uh, if you read the Gospels, he's one of the family members who came along and said that his brother was mentally ill, um, which I say about my siblings all the time. But anyway, <laughs> that was for the benefit of my parents. <laughs> the the um, so the 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 thing to to understand out of the gate here is that James is a man who was a con- a convert later. He was also the leader of the church. Eventually, he led you know the whole church in the world, um, but not until after Peter kind of stepped down and went into hiding. Peter was was one of the twelve, and there was a point where he was nearly executed, and he decided that it was time to move. Um, if you ever want me to leave, you know. That would, might be a way to do it. And he sit, Peter sits down with the disciple or with the other leaders, and he says, "All right, James, you're in charge now." And he moves to Greece, and, and he's gone for quite a while. Writes several letters, and eventually is executed um, under Nero. Um, so James is our author. He he's a unique character. Um, he was called James the Just, is sort of the common name for him. But he, like his friends, called him James Camel Knees. That's kind of a funny thing, right? James Camel knees because he spent so much time praying that that um, like camels kneel down when they rest that people just started calling him James Camel knees because he was always praying. Um, and this plays out like actually he eventually he's executed as well. He's murdered more than anything else when there's an up an upheaval in power and the local governor um, is gone and there's no Roman governor and the the Pharisees take advantage of the opportunity and they, they drag James out and kill him because he, you know, because there's no one to stop him from doing it. And what they did was they took him to the temple. They took him up on one of the high points of the wall and they threw him off and he fell and it was not a very pleasant experience for him, but he, he hits the ground, he gets up and drops to his knees and starts praying for the people who had thrown him off the building. And then they came out and they stoned him, and that was the end of James's story. Um, so, like, like, to kind of put it in perspective, the degree of difficulty this guy experienced and continued to resort to prayer, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've had bad days, and prayer is not always at the top of my list. Is there anybody else like that, or is it just me? You know, <laughs> near, near the bottom of my list sometimes. First on my list is complaining, and second on my list is complaining, and then pouting, and then complaining some more. It, it's, James went to prayer first. And so as we come to this, like, understand this is a guy who has this attitude. This is a letter. It's a circular letter. It was sent to a bunch of different churches around the world, and it's sort of addressed to Christians in general, right? Um, and, and it's during a time when... Um, it was very common. There were a lot of very poor Christians. And, and it was very common for Christians to be persecuted, not only for being like Christians, because folks assumed they were Jewish and the Jews were easy to pick on, but also there were Jewish folks who didn't like the Christians because they kind of took the Jewish faith and changed it, and the Jews didn't appreciate that. And so it was a very common practice at the time where wealthy landowners, like Jewish landowners who were wealthy, would hire Christians to work for a day, and then at the end of the day, you know, ha-ha, we're not paying you, you know, and <laughs> send them on their merry way. And it was, a, it was a very common practice, and there was a lot of resentment in the Christian community at the time. And so part of what James is addressing is probably related to that. Um, um, the, it's important. We'll get to it, and you'll understand why. Um, we're going to start in James 1.1. We're going to do the first 12 verses today. It's not a whole lot, right? Um, James starts... Uh, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's introducing himself. By the way, bondservant is a really polite way of saying slave, right? 
So James starts out saying, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I, I just want to toss in the joke about brothers and slaves. Anyway, um, to the 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad, greetings. There are some folks who've read that and said, oh, the 12 tribes, that's a Jewish thing. So he's writing to Jews. He's not. He's assuming all Christians, right, fall under the promise that God made to, to Abraham way back in the Old Testament. Um, if you want to hear more about that, ask me about it later. I'm not going to get into it. And he starts out greetings. The word greetings is funny. It's charion. Charion, my Greek is terrible. Um, <laughs> and, and that charion, as he, you know, so greetings, and then he transitions, consider it all joy. Now, the word joy is, I've got to look it up because my, is charon. And so it's a word play right out of the gate, right? And in, a lot of people have suggested, and I'm kind of going to argue this, that one of the major themes in this book is joy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, joy is, is a funny thing. Joy is not pleasure, okay? Um, it's, it's happiness, kind of. It's happiness that doesn't go away. It's happiness that, that is abiding no matter what situation you're in. It's, it's sort of like a contentment that you experience. And so, so as he enters into this. He's writing to people who are being mistreated and who are poor. Is it anybody ever been poor? Like, is it fun being poor? Nope. <laughs> it's, it's just not. Um, it's not fun worrying about paying bills. It's not fun at the time. It would be worrying about eating. Um, he, he, he opens out with joy and, and it's going to be recurring in the book. So just heads up. Um, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. We're going to hit pause there. Um, various, the word, it means multicolored, right? Or like, like a rainbow almost. So he's saying any kind of difficulty you encounter, you need to be at least joyful about it. That's a tough place to start, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I can think of things that have happened in the last month where, where joy was the last thing I was thinking. Um, you know, where, where, like trials here can refer to internal or external. So folks mistreating you, right? Folks mistreating you. Folks um, cheating you out of things that are yours. Folks bad-mouthing you. Um, internally, like temptation we have is something he's going to talk about, but he's referring to that too, like temptation where you want something so bad and you know it ain't the right thing, but it's exactly what you want, right? Um, temptation, uh, um, sometimes this testing is in the form of, of um, just like struggle and difficulty in general because he's writing to a very poor audience. And this is during an era where like being poor could mean you'd starve to death, right? Or end up in debtor's prison, or you might have to sell off one of your kids as a slave so you could all eat. You know, it's not a, it's not a great time in history. Um, and, and so when he talks about pure joy, it, uh, the translation I'm using says all joy. The word is better translated as pure joy, um, meaning like unadulterated and complete happiness that you're experiencing all sorts of like multicolor, every variety of difficulty in your life. Um, Anybody with this? Or is this hard to, is this hard to, like, it's hard to grasp, isn't it? I get annoyed when I, I, I was setting up the router for the sanctuary last night, and I was, like, grinding my teeth that I was on hold with technical support for about 40 minutes. I was ready to throw things. I mean, I was mad because they put me on hold for 40 minutes. Um, and they kept saying, hey, we have award-winning service. It's like, well, 
40 minutes. Or like when the drive-through takes a little too long. Like, like our culture really emphasizes comfort, doesn't it? It emphasizes ease. It, it turns away from difficulty. And so this is a countercultural message in our setting because we don't generally live this way. Comfort is nice. Comfort is pleasant. James is saying joy needs to be found in difficulty. When you encounter things that make your life harder, there's, there's joy to be had. Um, why is that? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, the word testing there is a word that's used in association with testing metal to make sure it's pure, right? Um, like like if, I, if I were to have like a piece of gold jewelry, um, and I were to take it to a jeweler to find out if it's actually gold or if it's gold-plated or if it's gold-colored or what have you, like that would be that kind of testing. But the way it's used here, the Greek, it's like saying testing with the assumption it's going to be true, right? So he says, listen, that, that difficulty you encounter, um, it tests your faith. It, it puts your faith out there and it puts a weight on it. And the assumption is that your faith is going to support that weight. Um, and it produces endurance. Uh, Jess and I ran in a race last year, or this year. And, and one of the things that, that um, is terrible about racing is in the months building up, what do you got to do? You actually got to go running. <laughs> you know, like, you just have to go out and, like, work out. <laughs> and, and, and the more you do that, the more you build endurance. And you're actually able to run further and faster. And you don't get exhausted and fall down three steps after the finish line or before the starting line. Like, like you know, the, that, that, that endurance is a product of the hard work that builds up to it. And so, like, kind of putting that first, the second verse together, what he's saying is, look, when you experience difficulty, right, it strengthens your faith. It tests it. It puts it in a position where you develop endurance, where you develop strength, where you develop the ability to, to like, keep going even when it's miserable. Um, that's when you face temptation. That's when you face difficulty. That's when people are trashing you. That's when your family is driving you nuts. That's when all of this stuff is happening. It produces endurance. Um, I'm going to keep going here. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, So when we develop endurance, it has a perfect result, right? So as I develop endurance, it has three effects on me. He lists three, right? Perfect. Um, Perfect here means like uh, fully equipped or ripe. I was talking to, uh, I was actually talking to Charlene about corn. She said that their corn won't ripen, right? And, and they can't pull it in because it's not ripe, and now the birds are eating it. This would be like if it complete and the way it's meant to be, like ready to be like served, ready to be, ide- you know, like, like the way it's meant to be. And so like perfect um, and complete, meaning like, um, like your whole body health is actually the way the word is. The Greek word means like whole body health meaning like, like you're completely healthy through and through. And so that endurance, as you experience testing, as you lean on God in difficulty, it produces this result. It makes you ripe. It makes you mature. It grows you. It makes you whole all the way through, like healthy spiritually. Um, it, it changes your heart and lacking in nothing. And, and again, that's sort of like obvious, right? Lacking in nothing means you've got everything you need. Um, which is a funny thing to write to poor people, isn't it? People who are going to scrimp and save to, like, eat. 
um, people who are going to just barely get by, you're lacking nothing if your faith is complete, if you're mature spiritually. Oh, why is that? Um, he kind of moves into this, and, and this will answer it. Okay, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, wisdom, we think of wisdom as, as like smart, and, and that's a really thin version of the word. Wisdom is having knowledge that turns into practical application. Everybody with me? Like, so if I know something and it, it doesn't turn into anything, like, that's not wise. That's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing things and applying them. And so Paul says, listen, or James says, listen, if you're lacking that, that, that you know, knowledge and application, ask God. Because God's going to give it to you. Now, here's where, like, endurance begins to develop. Because there are times we face difficulty and we don't know what to do, Right? Um, there are times we face difficulty and actually the things we know what to do is exactly the wrong thing to do, right? I mean, you know, your instant response is, I need to fight back. I need to get angry. I need to run away. I need to, you know, do any of these things. And if we're in Christ, we know, well, I shouldn't be doing that. Well, what am I supposed to do? Well, I need to turn to God and I need to ask for wisdom. I need to ask for knowledge that's going to turn into practical application that's going to get me out of the mess I'm in, um, Asking in the first place and believing that God is going to give to you is a hard step, isn't it? It is a really hard step. It is a really hard thing to say, God, take care of me and trust he is actually going to take care of you. It is incredibly difficult um, because we like to do things. We like to take control. We like to you know, run our own lives, don't we? But trusting that God is going to give you what you need to get through a situation is a big deal. But the more we reach the point that we're able to ask and trust, the more complete we become. Why is that? Well, God is bigger and stronger than me. Everybody gonna, can, can we all get an amen there, right? And God is bigger and stronger than you, right? If I ask and he'll give me, then there ain't nothing I can't do, right? There ain't nothing I can't endure. There's nothing I can't overcome. There's nothing I can't dig in and hunker down and, 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 and get through, right? Um, but the trick is trusting. It really is a big, big, big thing because, like, there's a distinct possibility I might ask and he might say no, right? Because there's another element to that. Like, I might ask and it may not be what's good for me. Abby asks for things all the time. And, and about, you know, 8 a.m. every day, she'll come to me, and without having eaten breakfast, her request is, Dad, can I have, what is it, candy. <laughs> can I have candy, Dad? Am I giving her candy at 8 a.m. every day? No. Not usually unless, you know, I'm trying to sleep. Um, <laughs> because, because it's not good for her, and I love her, right? And so as we ask God, First off, we have to trust that he's going to take care of us. And the second half of that is that we're going to trust that what he's doing is what's best for us. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes that actually means that we have to go through difficulty, doesn't it? Because if we don't go through difficulty, we never lean on him and we never learn to trust. And so sometimes, like when we ask, we need to understand, first off, difficulty makes us strong. It makes us whole. It makes us complete. It makes us mature. 
Um, I, I read an article about, have you, know, you know what a biodome is? Because they had these biodomes all over the world. Like at one point, it were experiments for seeing if you could create a self-sustaining environment. And this biodome in Australia is the largest, like oldest one. And about 20 years into it being there, um, all the trees fell down. Um, it's kind of crazy. They had grown these huge trees that were supplying oxygen and everything else. And then one night, the first tree just collapsed. Um, what had happened was it had gotten so big that it couldn't support its own weight. And the reason it couldn't support its own weight, because there was no wind blowing against the tree, making it get strong in order to hold its own weight. And so eventually it got so big that without the strength from endurance, like the strength from wind blowing, without the strength from like difficulty, it collapsed. And so as we endure difficulty, as we go through hardship, as we experience temptation, and temptation is huge, Right? as we experience like persecution or mistreatment, we go through it and part of us says, God, help me get through it. And part of us says, God, I know I'm going through this to become perfect. Help me get through it. (laughs) Help me trust you as I go through it. And the process of going through it makes us new, right? Leaning on Jesus changes us. But the problem with leaning on Jesus changing us is that you actually have to lean on Jesus for it to change you. You have to go through the hardship. Um, God gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Meaning, if you go and you ask, God's response is not, hey, I remember how terrible you are. Are you sure you want to ask me for stuff? Right? I got sin piled up you guys would blush at. I, 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 I should have gone to school for that because I'm good at it. Right? Sin is easy to commit. God does not hear us pray and respond by saying, you are a terrible person and I hate you. God gives us grace in Jesus, and then he gives us wisdom and endurance. Even when we go through hardship, even when, when we're crying and we're broken, God gives us endurance. God carries us through it. And when we lean on him, we become better. Um, I'm getting bogged down. I'm going to move a little quicker here. Sorry. Um, but he must ask in faith without doubting. For one who is doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Um, what does that mean? It means, like the word doubt literally means to stand in two places at the same time, right? I know I'm going to get it. I know I'm not going to get it. And so as we approach God, faith means actually trusting in him. It doesn't mean trying to stand on both sides of the fence. You know, I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to hedge my bets. Um, I'm going to lean on you, but I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to you know, try and do things your way, but I'm going to do things my way too. You don't get both. And the more you try to do both, the more God isn't going to respond to you. And the harder it's going to get because, like, James, James was a fisherman in Galilee, okay? Galilee is a sea. They have huge storms that, stink, that sink ships, okay? So when he says, um, anyone who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, he's not talking about, like, Titus sitting in the bathtub splashing the water. Look, there are little waves. It's surf. He's talking about big, rolling, drown your ship and kill everybody on it kind of storm. And so he's saying, listen, If you can lean on God, you'll find peace. It's going to be a hard peace, but it's going to be peace. If you think you're going to stand in both places, you're going to to feel it. It's going to toss you, and it's going to be hard. And you're going to look and say, well, I'm going to trust you. And then, oh, well, should I trust you? Well, maybe I'm going to trust you. No, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. Ultimately, what he's saying is you're you're not going to be running God's program if you're going to do it in doubt. You need to lean on him. Um, 
For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Meaning, like, if I'm going to try and do things my way and say, God, doing it my way, he's going to let me, right? Has anybody ever chased after something that you wanted real bad and you knew it wasn't what God wanted for you and you were like, well, I'm going to do things my way, and he let you out just far enough to, like, start drowning? Isn't it true? It's the truth of it. And, and double-minded, saying, well, I'm going to do things my way, I'm going to, you know, but I'm going to sort of keep a hand on this, it's not going to work. And ultimately, like, like you can't trust that God is going to bless you if you won't lean on him. Um, this is where this is going to get, well, actually, I think I'm going to split it into an extra sermon. Um, um, <laughs> I know, I can't believe I'm doing that. Um, James, well... All right, well, but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. What does that mean? It means, listen, if you're poor, you need to stand up and be aware that you are not poor. You may be poor in this life, but ultimately God is blessing you in in eternity. You're coming out of humble position and you're receiving. Well, why would that be? It's because being poor puts you in a position where you are humbled, right? It is really hard to ask for things, isn't it? I hate asking for things. It is really hard to go without, isn't it? It is really hard to struggle with basic needs. Um, it, is, it is humiliating. It takes a lot out of you. And when he says the brother in humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, what he means is you are automatically going through a process as a part of your lifestyle, as a part of your life position that creates the kind of person that has to lean on God. Um, there's some phases I've gone through in my life that were miserable and that I'm not proud of. Um, ultimately, I look back on them and I'm not proud of them, but it was those times that taught me to trust and lean on God. It was those times that taught me that I can't do things on my own and that I need him to carry me. And I'm willing to bet that there's more than a handful of folks in this room that can say the same thing. Difficulty, hardship, being poor, being broken and wretched, it produces a positive result. And you should be happy that you're going to be standing in a place where you're standing with God as a person who could lean on him. That's a blessing. And we don't see it as a blessing, but James says take joy in the fact that it's there because it's changing you. You're going through a refining fire that's, that's, that's a blessing, even though it feels like a curse right now. Um, he goes on and he says, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like the flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, will fade away. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, there's a tendency in wealth, and we see it in our culture. It is absolutely the truth. I hate it if this is going to hurt your feelings, but it is the truth. There's a tendency in our culture to believe that our wealth will carry us through anything, right? That our wealth means I don't have to. And James is saying here, listen, whenever you experience humiliation, whenever you have to put yourself in a place of humbling, um, if you are a person of means, you need to realize that that is something to be happy about. I don't want to be happy about it. I want to be comfortable. In reality, that humbling, that experience of humbling forces you to lean on God. 
and you glory and you say thank you whenever you have to lean on God because the more I lean on God, the more I become like Jesus, the more I become the person I was meant to be, the more I become redeemed and reclaimed, and the more I'm able to walk with God. The more I'm able to overcome sin, the more I'm able to... But it's a hard thing, right? I hate that you have to go to the gym to lose weight. Amen? (laughs) I hate that I can't eat ice cream and lose weight. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) The reality is that you have to go through hardship to become perfect, to become who God made you to be. I say perfect in the sense of this text, not like any of you are ever going to like overcome sin in this lifetime. You'll struggle with it until you die. And when you're in eternity, you'll be perfect without sin. But in this life, our, our effort is, and he's saying, listen, our wealth, our possession, our stuff is like flowers in the field. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow, right? Um, I hear folks talk about gardens having a rough time this year. You know, every time you look at those flowers dry and, and struggling, remember, that's all of us. One day we'll all face God and we'll face God right or we'll face God wrong. Um, He closes out, Blessed is, is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Meaning, if you endure, if you go through, if you suffer your humiliation and lean on God, you will come out in a place where God will reward you. And there's no greater blessing than that. But it's hard, but it's worth it, right? I see those things all the time those on Facebook, right? Um, you know, where they'll show like somebody who's really fit and they'll say, having a body like this feels better than ice cream tastes, which is a lie. Um, <laughs> but in reality, this is not a lie. The reward God will give you ultimately The reward God will give you, the blessing you will receive, the joy you have in leaning on him is far greater than any difficulty you experience now. But the trick is learning to do it. And it's hard. Um, We're going to close in prayer, and we're actually going to do communion today because it's the first Sunday, and I want to touch long. I'm sorry. I'm going to call the guys forward for communion as I kind of share the closing thoughts here. Um, When we celebrate communion, do I have guys doing communion? Nope. Terry's not here. Um, Also, we need to pray for Terry. Uh, Terry Grant, uh, Twyla's mom died. Hey, there we go. I got some volunteers. Um, Twyla's mother died this week. And so if we can keep the Grants in our prayers, um, they're they're mourning the loss of a a matriarch and they're they're experiencing a lot of stress because of that. So if we could pray for the Grants as well. I'm sorry, I forgot it earlier. Um, as we receive the body and blood of Christ, as we see the bread and the, and the juice, the elements, what we're called to do is to remember that Jesus Christ endured punishment. He endured pain. He endured suffering so that you could be saved. And he went through it to, to the approval of God. And as we experience difficulty, we share in that with him. And we become who we're meant to be. Hey, Rebecca. Platiana. If you're a guest with us today, all we require in our church that you receive the elements is that you're a person who has faith in Christ.